This episode is brought to you by KPMG Risk Services. KPMG believes that when you've earned the trust of all your stakeholders, that's when your business has a solid platform to grow. That's the trusted imperative. KPMG Risk Services develop and put in place dynamic risk strategies designed to help your business earn that all-important trust. Go to read.kpmg.us slash trust to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Cox Home Life. Cox helps make your home smarter. And now you can pull up your home life cameras on your TV with your Contour voice remote and some simple voice commands. To learn more, visit cox.com slash thisishome. Hi, I'm Polly Campbell, and this is Simply Said. Polly Campbell, and you're listening to Polly Campbell Simply Said, the podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy. And, you know, everything, every one of those things starts with an idea, right? We have to have some sense of where we want to go or what we want to create or understand or learn. And that sense, that initial trigger is the idea. So how can we get more ideas? How can we be positioned in the world where we can bring in this kind of uh, imagination and creative problem solving to elevate our businesses and our lives? That's what we're going to be talking about here today. And I'm thrilled to have Samuel Sanders here with us. Sam is an award-winning entrepreneur and author. He studied entrepreneurship, innovation, creativity, and ideation in action at everything from fast-growing companies to Fortune 500 companies, incubators, and even the companies he started himself. He's the author of Your Next Big Idea, and that's what we're going to be talking about here today on Polly Campbell Simply Said. Welcome to the show, Sam. Holly, thank you for that great introduction. I really appreciate you having me. Well, I love this topic because whether we're developing a business or a side hustle, whether we're an employee at a company or a parent and a mother or a a dad who has to figure out how to navigate the household and the world and all those challenges, this applies to everyone. The way I, I mean, creativity is not something we shut off when we go to work, right? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like we always talk about it sort of in a in a hazy way. And like we don't really uh, break, you know, creativity and problem solving down to like everyday life. It's something that is often, you know, attached to like Apple or Google or like all of these big, you know, companies. But in reality, it really can be broken down and applied at even an everyday level, like you said. Uh, and, And really, you know, you can find some really great ideas or improvements just either at your everyday home life or at your job, uh, your side hustles, whatever you're working on. Do you think some people are more creative than others, or is it just some people practice their uh, creative spirit and idea development differently than others? I think we all have the potential to be creative. And I think there's a disconnect around creativity. And I, when we teach about creativity, when we teach about problem solving, we always look at those large, successful, already built um, either companies or like famous artists or artwork that already has made it. But we very rarely look at the actual process on how the person came up with that idea, 
you know, what was the garage that they painted this painting or where they, you know, came up with the business idea. How do you take that first step? And so I feel like a lot of people come into this world and they look and they see the final product and they think, I don't know how to get there. When in reality, we really should do a better job at teaching those first steps so that everybody has that creative potential to begin with. I love that because I think there's a sense of inertia, right? You might come up with an idea and be totally locked like, I don't know what to do next. And so you do nothing or you do the same old thing. And, and that's not what you're talking about in your book. You're talking about how to get that crazy idea even and, and launch something realistic and important yeah. from there. Take me back, Sam. You, you have a story in your book, which I thought was great, where a professor challenged his students to come up with what, 15 ideas? Yeah, so it was, it was a group of two professors. Um, and so this was back when I was uh, at university and basically it was a, it was a class on ideation and entrepreneurship. And they said, okay, you need to come up with 10 new business ideas a week and like every week for the entire semester. And it felt overwhelming. And like, I was always someone who had a lot of ideas. And so I started just, you know, as a student does, I started with my notebook of ideas and just submitted those. And then, so, you know, after a few weeks I started to run out. And so it really made me re-examine how I looked at uh, creativity, ideation, problem solving, because I was almost forced to for this assignment. And then it sort of triggered from there uh, to, to be able to understand how do you come up with ideas? What does it take to be able to get to those ideas? The first thing is we have to get better at identifying like problems, needs, and wants. And whether mm. you're looking to create the next business or you're looking to just make your life a little better, easier at home, whatever uh, is right for you, we have to be able to identify those problems, needs, and wants. And so when I talk about problems, there's often this negative connotation to problems but really, these problems are actually opportunities. So if you see something like, oh, I'm, you know, having trouble, let's just say, like, you know, cook, cooking in the kitchen because there's, you know, like, uh, you know, mess in the way that things are set up or I'm getting distracted by my kids or something like that. You know, these are these are problems that we look and we go, oh, this is annoying. But if we can take those problems and reframe them and be like, okay, well, maybe I can try and solve this. Maybe I can set my kitchen up differently. Maybe I can include my kids in the cooking and it could be helpful, you know? Um, so we really need to focus on the first part is looking for those problems because those problems are the root of ideas and being able to come up with creative uh, solutions. And then there's the needs and wants. So the wants are things like desires. So it's like, I really want to go to a concert. You know, that's, that's not something I necessarily, a problem being solved per se. This is like something that, you know, I want to do. And so if you can identify either your wants or other people's wants and it's consistent, then there's definitely a route for ideas there. And the last one is needs. And when I talk about needs, it's pretty interesting because we need things like air and water, but there are also things that we feel like we need that we don't necessarily really need. And I call those like auxiliary needs. So a good example is like, before I go to bed, like I'm someone that needs a glass of water next to my bed, or I can't <laughs> sleep. Like, I feel so strongly about that. Like I need it, even though it's not a real need, you know, if you can identify those needs and, and figure out a way to uh, satisfy them, that's another really great way to, to find those ideas. So be on the lookout for those problems, 
those needs and those wants, either yours or other people's, and you'll really be able to stem some ideas from there. And when you were talking, it made me think too of like, I, I have a teenager, teenage daughter, and how to come up with ideas about how to parent her. Then I'm a businesswoman. So how to come up with ideas about managing my time better or the new project idea. It's the same process for anything we're looking at then. Yeah. And that's, that's what I love about the beginning part of this creative journey is it's so applicable to all different um, areas. And I, I think that's what's really special about creativity and problem solving in general. It's at, when you break it down to its root there, they're really uh, it's, it almost becomes so uh, first step like that you can apply it to all different areas. Uh, you don't need to be a necessarily an expert in, you know, this area you're looking at, it's just like, can you identify those problems and can you look, you know, how to, how to solve them? What do we do with the idea? I mean, you take us through a process in your book um, and, and you talk about innovation and feasibility studies and so forth. Take us through real quickly, like we get this idea now and we want to see where it leads us. What's the next step? I'm going to, uh, let me just touch base on the, on the, on the book for a second. So the way I try to write it and the way I talk to people is it's not really about what I'm saying in the book. Like I've really tried to design the book with the reader in mind so that you can take your own personal journey along that path. And so when I start with, I start the book talking about the, the, uh, problems, the needs and wants, the next step is to erase, uh, stigmas around the, um, problems, needs and wants. So what ends up happening is we come up with this problem and we want to go and solve it immediately. And that, you know, sometimes works, but oftentimes it would be beneficial to take a look at the problem in more depth depth. And so stigmas are kind of these rules or guidelines we have about the problem uh, or the, you know, need and want that don't actually necessarily apply. And there are a lot of different types of stigmas. Like, for example, we always talk about don't talk about politics or religion at the dinner table. You know, there's um, a good example is I was actually at a conference um, where there was someone on stage and they held up a hundred dollars and they said, the first person on stage gets a hundred dollars. And this is a very professional business conference. So people were really confused. You don't really run up on stage when you have guests. And so you know, what ended up happening is eventually someone went on stage, but it felt awkward. It felt weird. And so we kind of put these rules in society um, around these ideas. So when looking at a problem, it really makes sense to take a look, the next step at the stigmas surrounding the problem. Because if you can break a stigma in a really positive way, then you're probably onto something that's really creative or really innovative. So the question is, how do we overcome those stigmas and see if this idea has legs at all? Is it feasible? That's what we'll be talking about next with Samuel Sanders, author of The Next Big Idea, right here on Simply. This episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Introducing DirecTV Stream, the best of live TV and on demand, which means you can get all your favorite sports, movies, and shows together. So you can watch new episodes of your favorite reality shows live or binge old episodes on demand. Either way, get ready for some drama. And the best part? DirecTV Stream has no annual contract. DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together at directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet and compatible device. Content varies by package and location. Restrictions apply. Side. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. 
We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. And we're back with Sam Sanders, entrepreneur and author of The Next Big Idea. Sam, how do we know if the idea that we're pursuing is going to work? How do we know if it's feasible and worth pursuing? We talk about the feasibility check, the creation of the idea, and then the checking the actual feasibility of it. And when we go to pick solutions, oftentimes we want to have one solution, but there are, there are also times where a lot of solutions can work. You may have a problem and you may think of three different solutions and you know they may all be really good solutions. You can combine them together. You can take parts of each of them. And so that's why it's beneficial to really look at the uh, stigma breaking part first and then brainstorm solutions because then you'll get a lot more uh, breadth of solutions and you may be able to combine them into an even better result. And the last step is feasibility checking them. If it's a personal thing, it's making sure it's right for you, making sure it's going to make you more efficient, more happy, you know, a change that you would think will lead to positivity. If it's a business idea, it's really looking at the market. Does the mark, is there a market for this idea? Does the market want it now? Um, and do you actually have the resources to make this idea happen? What does that look like? So that's kind of the, the high level steps there of, of going through the ideation process. Well, one thing I really like about the book, and there are lots of things, is that you have questions and practices and, and prompts throughout where we can really put ourselves and, and customize it to how we're living or what we're thinking or the problems we're facing. And so this is really applicable. One thing that I have come back to several times, Sam, since I, I looked at the book and read the book, is the stigma Part. I have no problem coming up with ideas. I'm a professional writer. It, I, everywhere I go, I'm. Yeah. But but I was surprised at how often I make an assumption or think, oh no, that couldn't work because when you're parenting a teenager, you can never do this, or when you're writing an article, you can never do this, and how I trapped myself with some of those beliefs just because it's what I grew up with or what I have been told. You know, another one is, is you can be a writer, but you'll never make any money doing it. So when I started my writing business and I am making money doing it, I really had to work for years to overcome. It's okay to ask for what I'm worth. It's okay to charge people for what I offer. You know, we really get caught up in, in our assumptions and they're so habitual for me that many of them I didn't realize until I went through it in your book. Yeah, I agree. And especially um, like in the in the work workplace, when we talk about like our jobs, it's often we get trapped, not at, not really talking and pushing for what we're worth. And so I think I think everything you're doing is just really fantastic. Um, but I, it's one of the things with those assumptions is it's very easy to get trapped in them. And so I actually have a section in the book where I talk about playing, like <laughs> playing outside or playing like um, kids. And we, we do associate that. Play, play with children. But as adults, it's really beneficial as well to get out there and just like kind of play, whether it's, you know, create a story, like as a writer, you know, we, we, we create stories, but, you know, even getting around and playing with kids, if, if you have kids and just getting outside, because what happens is 
as a kid, you ask a lot of questions because you don't really understand the world as well. And so you're trying to get a better understanding. But as you age, you sort of just make those assumptions, those stigmas, because they, they allow you to be more efficient. Like, I don't want to have to think about every time I put on pants, do I put my left foot in or my right foot in first? You know, like I want to create those, those strategies. But what ends up happening is, oh, maybe there's a faster way to put on pants. Now, obviously this is like a silly example, but there's a faster way to put on pants if I just like thought about it differently. But I was just putting on pants the same way for the last, you know, uh, 20 years, then, you know, that's, that's, that's going to be a trap. And a recent one I actually had was a walk to work. There was a new road that opened that would have made my walk much faster, but because I was so used to just walking the same path, I could have saved myself like five to 10 <laughs> minutes that I didn't even know. And so it's really important to evaluate those stigmas around whatever we're working, whether it's parenting, whether it's at our jobs or our side hustles, you know, what are the industry telling us that we need to do? What are the, what is society telling us what we need to do and how much does that really apply? Does that make things better? When our daughter was uh, about three or four, she was going to this preschool for a couple hours, a few days a week. And they had, you know, 15 three-year-olds that they had to get their coats on before they could go out and play. And she came home and, and I mean, getting a coat on a three-year-old, that's something else. I I'm shocked about <laughs> how all these little things are so hard with a little kid, but she came home one day and she was so excited to go outside because she was going to put on the coat by herself. And what they taught him to do was lay the coat on the floor upside down and to stick their arms in the holes while it was on the floor and then flip it over their head. And they thought this was the best trick. And it forever changed how I got her dressed to go to school and go outside because she could just do it herself and she didn't have to hold it behind her back and all these. And I will never forget that. It never would have occurred to me. Right. And all that mattered was getting the coat on, but I had an assumption about, well, you put in one arm and then the other arm. And I was trying to teach this little kid how to do that. And it doesn't necessarily have to be one arm at a time. We can, we can mix this up and look at things from a different way and, and like lead to all sorts of other associations. If you walk down that new road, you might meet somebody that you've never met before, which might launch the next business idea, for example. Yeah, that's a great story. Cause it, it's just even that's, it's the great example that even in everyday life, just uh, on your day-to-day habits, you can find these little uh, uh, stigmas or problems and they can make your life much easier. And you know, those, those type of skills, if you start to do it every day in your everyday life, can transfer over. And that's when you start to see the business ideas, the, the new, uh, you know, potential problems that you can solve. And so I love, I love that. That is so cute. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It was cute. I remember just being mind blown, like, wow, okay, this is high tech stuff for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it, yeah. It, you have a lot of exercises and one of them I really liked was called the blank paper experiment or exercise. Mm-hmm. What, how does that, um, how can we use that to kind of get at these issues? Yeah. So when I talk about uh, stigmas, they're pretty challenging to notice. Um, And that's, that's because, like I said, they're, they've been so ingrained because we're talking about assumptions we make about our society or ourselves, you know, that we've been doing for years and years. So the blank paper exercise, it's a great, (laughs) it's a great one. And it really helps, um, you know, identify those stigmas. So how it works is once we've identified this problem that we're looking to solve with the blank paper. And I love the blank paper because it just feels so fresh. And so, you know, like um, new, you just start with nothingness. You have this blank paper and it's like, 
you start building up little by little everything you think about this problem. So like you start writing down your assumptions that you think and just building it up from a nothingness. So it's, it starts with like, I am coming in just with no assumptions, thinking about it uh, without like any preconceived notions and then just start writing things down and almost building those like assumptions back up. And then once you kind of built that up, you're like, okay, I'm assuming this about this to make this work or this about this to make this work. And once you build those up, you look, go through and you look through, you're like, is that a real assumption? Um, does that, you know, something that makes sense? And one of the examples I give is when we think about like the slip and slide, like that's a great example where somebody was like, Ooh, we, I really want to create a new idea for a water toy. You know, does it need to hold water? Does it need to, you know, like mm. a lot of times we talk about like the, uh, the water shooters, is it like, you know, something that pushes water and this doesn't even have water in it. It's just, you put a hose on top of a slip inside. So this person went through and is like, all right, what are all the assumptions I have about a water toy? And they said, does it need to, you know, have water? No, it can just have, you know, a hose on top. It could just be something that you can slide across. And so you start with that nothingness, that blank taste piece of paper and you go and you build up those assumptions and then you can ask is is that a real assumption is that something that actually applies and sometimes it does but a lot of times you may be able to break those assumptions in a positive and more efficient way i i love that because i think like i said before we get trapped in our own ideas so i want to make that the simply start segment this is the part where you get started in your own day dealing with some of these ideas, right? So if you have a problem you're working on, if you want to develop a new product, a new business, a new friendship, if you want to come up with a solution for a situation that's been uh, difficult in your family life, when you sit down with the blank paper and just start with the problem in mind and start you know, blasting your assumptions, put them out on the paper, anything you've thought about this, is there only one parent, one way to parent a teenager? Is there only one way to market your product? Is there only, and I think you'll find as you explore your own assumptions about this, that there, there are lots of different ways of thinking about the issue. So simply start, try the blank paper exercise we're talking about. And then Sam, you also talk about the value then of asking the questions, right? Of going into that next phase and, and challenging those assumptions with ideas like, was well, that true? Does it have to be this way? Is there only one way of doing this? And I think the quality of the questions we ask often determines the quality of the lives we live. I, I'm really big on questions because finding solutions and answers to those questions is a creative act in itself. And it's pretty uh, interesting, leads me to all kinds of different ideas and associations. I think that's a huge part of it. asking the questions. It doesn't have to be a defensive or accusatory thing. It can be just like, huh, is there another way to think about this? Yeah. And question asking is just so important to everything with creativity. And we kind of get caught sometimes because, you know, asking a question assumes you don't know something. And, you know, even if you're in industry for, you know, the past, you know, 30 to 40 years, you're like, oh, I should really know this. Should I not ask this question? And we kind of get trapped in these, like, I don't know situations, but the people that ask the questions that really, you know, push that question asking about either these exercises or just in general are the, are the people that can get that kind of information to really be more creative, solve those problems. And so question asking is so critically important to the entire creative process. I, I even talk about like, you can question anything. Like, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of like, okay, I'm doing this, but taking a step back and being like, oh, why am I doing this? And, you know, 
like you may have a really good answer, but sometimes it's good to check in. Is this really still the best way to go about this task? And so, you know, the whole question asking, especially in the blank paper exercise, so critically important to, you know, building up your creative self and even your creative confidence, you know, to be able to get those types of ideas and feel good about them. Yeah, I think that's important. I think I like that statement, creative confidence, because really this comes with development and practice and in reminding ourselves to do it. In the beginning, I I put things like this on my to-do list. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to take a minute now and challenge these assumptions, or I'm going to take a minute to be mindful and develop some ideas or, or whatever it is. Just yesterday, I was dealing with a financial situation and I was doing some paperwork because I've always done it. And um, it's not... 20 years ago, it doesn't have to be done that way anymore. And it was like a wake up call to sit there and say, Oh, yeah, no, why am I don't have to do it this way, I can be more productive, it can become easier and less stressful. And uh, it's a good reminder to step back from our lives a little bit and and reevaluate our systems at at home and at, at work, I think. Yeah. And I think if you're listening, one thing it's important to ask yourself is like, how much is this creativity a a priority because so often we get caught in all these tasks we have to do we have to do this we have to do this and then like the time to be creative and the, you know honestly that time is is fun time and rewarding time just sort of gets pushed back a little bit it pushed back a day pushed back a little bit longer you know i have these work tasks i need to do like push back push back and so it's like that's great that you gave yourself a list and gave yourself time to do that because we can get caught in this trap of like not giving us enough time to try these things and and you know to really look in how we could be more innovative Sam, how, what does creativity look like for you? Because I think we're, we're under the illusion sometimes that it means you have to paint like Picasso or, you know, sculpt or write books or what does it look like in your daily life? Yeah, it's really all about being, for me, uh, creative, uh, creativity is all about being able to tackle these type of problems in a unique way. You know, we, look at creativity and it, it, you know, we think music artists, we think, um, you know, the, uh, oh, you're real artists. We think these crazy business leaders, but I think in reality, you're going to get that creative film filmment. If you can take a problem be like, oh, you know what? I solved this in a really unique way. And that, that, that is creativity at its base, you know, whether it, it can be translated into those works of art as well, where it's like, I'm looking to create something that is unique and different, but at the base level, it's really, Hey, can I take a problem that you want? And can I just try and solve, try and solve it in a, in a way that's unique and that feels good and is efficient. Simply Nifty is of course, Samuel's book. I, I thought it was really useful, really practical and an interesting read too. So if you want to get started thinking and working on some of these things we are talking about, check out his award-winning book, Your Next Big Idea. And Sam, how can we find you and, and the other work you're doing? Yeah, so you can go to uh, yournextbigideabook.com. You can check out, there's some additional uh, content there that, you know, now that you've listened to this podcast, you can feel free to sign up. It's in the uh, top right corner. Uh, and yeah, you can, you can reach out to me there. You can follow me on Goodreads and I post about updates there. Uh, so yeah, I think those are the best ways to follow along for now. But yeah, I'm working on some, some other stuff, so we'll keep it going. But for now, uh, like all of the messages and, and things I've received are absolutely just, they, they make me feel like my work is really rewarding. So if you really enjoy it, you know, feel free to reach out. 
Yes, I, I appreciate that too. Reach out, let us know how you apply these things into your life. Leave a review on Simply Said on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find me and my newest book, You Recharged, at polycampbell.com. And I'm on Facebook and, you know, the other usual sites. Samuel Sanders, the author of Your Next Big Idea. Thanks for being here, Sam. Uh, thank you so much for having me. And I definitely encourage you to check, I uh, encourage listeners to check out your book as well. You recharge it. It's great. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. And take out the blank paper, start challenging some of your own assumptions and stigmas and settle in recognizing that we are all creative and we can use those ideas and that energy to elevate our lives. When we do that, we will all live well, do good and be happy. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electric acid. Electric acid.